0: Hi, Rachel.
1: Hi, Ryan. How are you? Um, I, I'm, I'm mixed with how I'm feeling. There's a lot of relief mm-hmm. that comes with this episode. And basically. a lot of burden.
0: Yeah. A lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of hope, a lot of joy. Is this a year of pain and the year of joy... Was it a new age? The end of history? Was it the year that everything changed?
1: The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5.
0: We're Ryan and Rachel of the Yum Yum Podcast, everyone. Everyone's favorite phrase from Star Trek in general, not just Star Trek Discovery, which is what we're covering, but Star Trek. Move over any line of dialogue any other characters ever said. Commander Narn's iconic line, yum, yum, is what Star Trek will forever be known for from this moment forward. When nerds, when non-nerds, when we all think Star Trek, will think of the iconic moment in which Commander Narn flicked her hair back, licked her lips sexually, and replied, yum, yum, to the question of whether she should murder someone or not. That is what Star Trek is about. And we had the name of our show after it, didn't we, Rachel?
1: Yes, we did.
0: What a moment. When you got to this episode that we will be discussing and revisiting in full details and spoilers, did you shed a tear that Nan wasn't there at the end? Yeah. That she wasn't, like, the representative of the Barzans?
1: Well, at least we would have known why she didn't have difficulty breathing rather than it being an insert into this episode and this episode alone.
0: For who breathing? Because Owo,
1: oh if, right, if she right, took right, 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 place... right. It would
0: make narrative sense that has already been built up. We'll get to Owo. Yeah, so we are but doing.
1: I think that she should have been there instead of Owo. A- Ariam
0: could have been there too, but we are doing our Star Trek Discovery rewatch, and we are up to the final episode of season. Three. I am so excited to get to this be talking. Free. So Rachel, what is the name of the episode and what is the plot according to IMDB? Oh,
1: well, stupidly enough, because they couldn't come up with a better title, apparently. It's y- that yeah, th- this
0: is like a <laughs> last minute change to the title.
1: And you can just I could just tell by the yeah. title. I was just like, oh, they couldn't come up with anything else, so they just backpedaled. Okay. That hope is you. Part two, which is seasons season three's episode thirteen, hmm. IMDb's description is: "As the emerald chain tightens its grip, and the mystery of the burn is finally solved." I mean, we already
0: solved it two episodes ago. But whatever, go on, go on.
1: Burnham and the crew have one last chance to save themselves, and the Federation. Thanks, CBS All Access.
0: Well, that's in the IMDb description. The thanks, CBS All Access. No. Are cashing the check I, now. That,
1: that was me. Oh, that was that, you. That was me that crediting was me. CBS so, All Access as providing that synopsis. This is the
0: final episode of the best season of Star Trek Discovery. And I am going to kick off by saying that after having watched it initially... I was really interested to see what the general masses thought of it. And it seems like for what is the best uh, season ever of Star Trek Discovery, most people seem pretty middling to mixed on this. Uh, it well, sits at a six on IMDb?
1: Six, 6.3, but That's here are some of it's the... Still,
0: it's still kind of like, you know, even diehard oh. people are like, this is brilliant or eh, it, it but seems I like want... this is a middling episode. I want to,
1: I want to share... Some of the titles of reviews. Oh, yes. That are the ones that come up. Remember when it was fun to watch Star Trek?
0: I do. I do.
1: Doesn't know where it goes.
0: Yeah. No, no, it does to a painful degree.
1: How big is the ship, lol?
0: Yeah, that that uh, we'll get to that fucking question.
1: Please, make this go away. Right, so obviously- And cancel the series. Now.
0: Well, obviously those are from people who already don't like the show or have had negative opinions on it, but when I finished watching this the first time, I was left middling on it. I was just like, okay, that was an episode of the television series, an hour of my life went away, it wasn't as atrocious as the season 2 finale, and it wasn't as like... uh. Pathetic as the season one finale, so in a way it, it kind of ranked keep... out as being the best season finale it of a does Star Trek keep Discovery. One of
1: the traditions, though, being boring. No, that wasn't the one that I was thinking of. But yeah, technically, oh, that's the
0: rotating captain's chair.
1: No, not that one. Then what? The original theme music. Being oh right, they have credits. to nostalgia
0: bait you with the original theme, and hey, a Gene Roddenberry quote is here for you too.
1: Yeah, they d- they haven't done that in previous seasons. That's that's a new thing that they decided to do for this one.
0: At the core of Roddenberry's vision, uh, and this is why I believe it has endured for as long as it has, is the belief that human beings will always find a way to persevere and connect to each other. And that there is an optimistic outlook to where we could be going. And now more than ever, mm-hmm. we need that desperately. It just ended, basically. I was like, right, well, that's the end of the season. I just clapped my hands and went, okay, well, that was that was a journey we went on. Having to rewatch it for this, I did not like this episode very much. I found it false. That's the best way to describe it. I found it false. I did not believe in any single moment. I didn't buy the characters. I didn't buy the themes. I didn't but buy into it. But maybe that's on
1: purpose, Ryan. He's like a conspiracy theory for you.
0: Wolf 359 was an inside job? Yeah.
1: No, not that one. No, so Rue says in the episode that things may appear but not as they seem. Yeah, Saru says ex- a lot of shit
0: in this episode He
1: is explaining that there is this duality
0: Well, I don't give a shit what he has to say This is what I have to say I didn't like this episode I found it meandering I found it dragged its feet I found it weirdly tonally odd And like I said, I didn't buy into the, the, the narrative The characters, the themes I didn't believe anything that was happening in this episode I was always keenly aware that this was a production made by people who were being hired to do a job i never bought that into your the fantasy fault
1: because no. you weren't willing to no.
0: buy into it no no it's not my fault it's not my fault if i wasn't engaged by the show that means there was something wrong with the show so rachel what was your opinions on this the first time
1: and how are they now it was boring It was really fucking boring and really stupid, but not in a way that made me energised and annoyed, but just passively accepting that more stupidity was just going to roll in and that most of it would just be ignored within the episode or by the next season because Mm. they don't pay attention, in my opinion. They don't pay attention to previous Star Treks and or the discovery messaging or discovery or previous scenes or the previous lines of dialogue sometimes. <laughs> and the thing that really got me annoyed in this one, where I was just like. I can't hope for that up. This is th- this is what they do. This is it. Um which is like you know the writers discovered that there was a dial and this dial turns up how ridiculous and childish Sukal is. And they would turn it up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and then um when it when it when it went up to 11 the camera decided to shake and spin. And spin.
0: Okay, big question. Is this the best season finale of Star Trek Discovery? I think it is, but that isn't a high achievement.
1: Um, I don't know. Well, well, I don't think we would say that it's season one because it had the most atrocious battle.
0: Season one had no battle, did it? Season one was just we put the bomb in the planet and then we did a little dance.
1: I thought that there was more of... A battle, or am I thinking of season two? You're always thinking of season two. I'm always season thinking two's of season two. Season just a
0: battle, and season three, like, it's a lot of action sequences, but like, I don't know, I think this may be the best ending to any of these seasons, because I understood what was happening, it wasn't as stupid, but again, all of that's with caveats of, by like, one degree. <laughs> Like, it still had all those things. It's still like, I still found it hard to follow or engage with. I still found it action heavy. I still found it annoyingly hammering in the themes to an obvious degree. But my eyes weren't rolling in the back of my head as much. We did not have the yum yum moment in this episode. The closest we have to the yum yum moment is the she's a queen That's the closest, and that's nowhere near as bizarre as Yum Yum, because that's been built throughout the season. There's a thread to follow there. Yum Yum came out of fucking nowhere, and it still is out of fucking nowhere. We're a season beyond it, and it's still one of those things you look back and went, where the fuck did that come from? So, yeah, this is the best ending, but that isn't saying very much, because it's like, yeah, it's the best ending, but that just says that the other ones have been truly atrocious and or dull that this is it because I will not remember this episode once we're finished recording.
1: I didn't remember a lot of it going into the rewatch and it's only been a couple of months Mm. and like scenes would start and I would be like, oh, this thing, yeah. Like when he started the math speech I I stuck my fingers in my ear and was humming to myself because I was like, I just don't want to hear this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, my biggest issue with this episode is that I felt the production side of everything so heavily. All of the lines of dialogue All I could feel was the writer typing this down in the writer's room saying, what's the theme we want to hit? It's about connection. Just put that in the script. Or the visual... Yeah, I've been feeling that for a while. But I felt it so strongly. I I feel it all the time, but in
1: this episode... It's egregious in this episode to a next level because they're trying to ratchet everything up because it's the series finale. And
0: then, obviously, again... A lot of these issues I'm going to be explaining are issues I've already had, but it was to a degree here further. The visual side of the things, the spinning of the camera, the lens flares, the shaky cam, I was constantly reminded by how show-offy the visuals were via the direction, that this is directed. I wasn't ever engrossed visually into the story. There weren't things just... the. That- I just wasn't sitting with it. I was watching them spin the camera and going, why is this scene being shot uh, horizontally? And why is this one being shot vertically? Like, why are they back to back like that? What's the meaning here? Why is the camera spinning? Why is there a lens flare over this character's face during this important line of dialogue? Why these choices? Again, I'm asking questions, not engaging in the material. The direction and the writing combined... Being so overwrought was taking me out of the suspension of disbelief that one has when they watch television shows. To the point in which I said to you halfway through. Oh man, I'm noticing the acting so strongly like every single moment. Was me noticing that they're actors wearing costumes, being directed, and trying to memorize their lines of dialogue as it spits out of their mouths. Or I have to pretend that that I'm running out of breath. I was constantly thinking, these are actors. Never thought Uh, that's Saru. Never thought that's Michael. Everybody,
1: everybody is having their close up moment in this episode, whether it literally be in a close-up or not, because there are a lot of close-ups in this episode. Did you notice that? This felt like they were
0: rehearsals. Outside can be challenging.
1: Dangerous. See, I saw it differently, which is more just as a consequence of the way that this show works, that the actors don't, react they just act mm. which is why everything feels so disconnected and so much like a performance because they're just trying to one up each other because that's what the script calls for Every scene is an escalation in tension and emotion and then crescendos and then falls back down and then it goes into the next scene where it's trying to ratchet it up again. So nobody gets to just respond and feel. Mm. It's everything has to be more, 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 more. So you don't get any of that feeling of this is an authentic interaction because they're just having to move things up and move things up and move things up so there's no back and forth really like I'm mainly thinking of the scenes with Tilly and the crew where I can't really remember most of the scene. Just when this person talks, then this person talks, then this person talks, and then Tilly gives a command. And then we rinse and repeat. There's no discussion. There's no interaction. There's no feeling. People just say how they're feeling.
0: Yeah, and we've said this many a times. When you have a script that is like how this one is, in which it is characters are just stating out loud their journeys, arcs, and themes. No matter how great the actor is, it will come across as artificial, because the script is artificial. The script is just literally stating what they have learned and what their arcs are, and it feels very after-school special. It feels forced. And then you have the direction trying to either bolster up the script or or distract you from it and that hinders the actors' performances as well. I'm trying to watch Doug Jones act his heart out but I can't help but notice that what the fuck he's saying is nothing but metaphors and themes and while he's saying it, the camera is on a Dutch angle for no reason. And I'm just... The ship's falling apart, that's why.
1: they They have a reason.
0: Sometimes they don't. Most of the times I don't. The camera will just spin around to show that Michael is walking down a hallway because this is what the visual language she's, thinks is excitement. You have to physically move danger. the camera. You have to shake it around. Her you have to have the lens
1: shifting. There's always a dumbass justification that can be offered. And you know what the real answer is? It, it looks just cool. cool. And that's enough. That's it. That's, it. that's, my that's
0: point, what they're worried about but, doing. And And guess what? It distracted me. Throughout the whole episode, the script, the direction, the music, and the acting. All of these important things to hammer me into the journey I was taken out of. I was noticing that this was all fake. And that is a major disservice. There are terrible episodes of Star Trek Next Generation that I still am engaged with in in the idea of of my suspension of disbelief. There are many bad episodes where I'm still not thinking that Brett Spine is an actor in white makeup, because I believe that character and those performances. And even then, there are some episodes where I am taken out. So it's not just a Discovery thing. This is just a basic 101 thing. The direction is overwrought, the writing is artificial, thus the acting falls flat.
1: It doesn't help that Discovery has no goodwill built up with either of us anymore.
0: I like Saru. I still like Saru, but in this episode, I didn't believe a fucking word that came out of his mouth.
1: Oh, I meant more so in terms of the direction in particular, but But the the show overall has no goodwill with me because like going into the rewatch, I knew what they did with Saru. So I was just like, well, I am even more disappointed in him because they've- they forced him into this corner to make room for Michael. Yeah,
0: and I remember the, the end. Like I remember what they do to him, but when I'm re-watching it, I forget the the lines of dialogue are constructed the way that they are and they come out of Doug Jones' mouth the way that it does and the camera's spinning the way that it does. I do have good faith and goodwill in some aspects of Star Trek Discovery. Doug Jones and the character of Saru oh, being one of his them. does
1: best. But... And his his best feels a lot better than a everyone lot of else's. The yeah. But
0: but like even him, my 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 beacon in this show, I did not believe him for a single moment here, and that says a lot. I am, my, I, my predisposition is to like Saru, and I wanted to like him here, but I didn't believe a single thing that Dog Jones was saying. All I could see was the writers in their writer's room looking at their note cards on the board and saying, we're achieving that one with this scene with Saru. It's all fake. It's, it's fiction. It's made up. It's written by writers. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's a fake. Let's talk about the plots. There are three primarily. Let's start off with Saru on the planet with Sukal. Yes. And with Grey and Adira.
1: Um how about we start with Grey? Okay. What do you want to say? I think it's stupid. And it makes it feel like all of these other scenes that have happened throughout the season are just for Hugh to have that one line of dialogue being like, We're gonna make you real. We're gonna make you be seen. And all I see when I see that just... too is
0: when when they have that moment, like you said, it's all there for that. You know what I see now? I see that line of dialogue and how some hack internet journalist is going to blow that up as the headline and have an article saying the show are going to make gray scene in season four. It's a promise. That's all I see.
1: Oh yeah. It's built for clickbait mm, mm. and you know what? He does a decent enough job delivering it, but it also just, it feels so frustrating Because it's just like, it feels like they've been building up to it all season. And also like it's an afterthought within the scene, which makes it feel very odd because there's such weight to the moment and such importance by the characters and the acting being placed on it. And then it just gets washed away in the tidal wave of action that immediately comes afterwards. You also
0: don't care because of what we stated two episodes ago. Grey is not a character. Grey is there to serve the theme that this is relating to. We don't understand who Grey is. We can only take the character's word for what Grey is as a character themselves. When they say, Grey has such beautiful, caring eyes. Sure. I'll take your word for that. That's something that you've cared kind about, Graham. Eyes. Kind eyes. I'm sure. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word. Again, we talked about this. All of the stuff happens off screen a lot. Yeah. Grey literally disappeared for several episodes just so that this line can hit harder. We have never got to know Grey, and Grey's been dead the whole time. So we are supposed to know Grey through their relationship with Adira, but we never really got to explore or hear much about their relationship, not to the extent that you needed to hit off for this.
1: We only really had the scene where um, like, Grey's like, um, I'm a bit nervous, and is just like, here, have this quilt that I made for you. I'm
0: yeah. an art genius. You know,
1: like, uh, yeah. Like, what? That's it. that's it.
0: You know how we know... <sighs> this is an old tactic, though, on Star Trek Discovery's part, right? You have a couple, you separate them off, and you rely the- on the audience to believe in their relationship because you had one tender scene in the whole season between them. Season one, Hugh and Paul barely interact, but they have that one toothbrushing scene that's enough to build their relationship for two to three seasons on. Just that one scene and oh. here with adira and 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 uh gray I do want to make one thing we we thing have clear. the qui- we have the quilt scene that's all we have we don't know anything else about them other than gray died and was uh, put inside of adira and now adira holds gray literally close to their heart but that's you don't I, know much else I do want to
1: make one thing clear this is still not as bad as Burnham and Tyler's relationship, nothing is
0: nothing's as bad as that.
1: I just, I just want to make sure that I, I'm making it clear that that's my stance. Like it, it's negligibly there, but with and the toilet, poorly but, written, but, but it's not as badly handled. It kind of and... is, because
0: Tyler and Burnham's relationships sucked objectively. Like, within the show, they say it sucked, but at least they showed the building blocks towards them getting together, even if it was sloppily done. While Hugh and Paul and Adira and Grey, we have to buy their relationships to one another in yeah, their re- couples they're in relationships
1: on, before on a singular
0: scene. And then you have to care about that about that, that one scene. Like, ooh, the toothbrushing scene, or ooh, the quilt scene. Grey is a hologram. I think that's a cool idea. Grey is a, a Vulcan for some reason, I guess. So, I mean, whatever. It doesn't... Like, I was thinking about this too. Why did they choose the alien designs for the characters that they chose? I'm trying to think oh, about yeah. it thematically. We, like, we, what are they trying to we say? We cannot
1: figure out a good enough reason why they picked what they did. Because they could have chosen anything and you hoped that they would have gone for something with thematic purpose because they're driving home those themes but we were like no not really like i was trying to
0: think of the things and being like okay if i was a writer what would the idea be here and i'm like okay saru is a human makes sense he's emulating humanity he's trying to be a human in a lot of ways okay and then I was like oh and Michael obviously would be a Vulcan because that's been a lot of her character things right of course but then I'm like but what would you be oh okay fuck it just make him whatever fuck it just make anyone whatever it doesn't matter because what would you be as an alien you don't know uh, a spore um... <laughs> be just a, a floating a floating fucking spore thermodynamics energy cannot be created or destroyed It only changes states. Even in death, his energy passed through me while I was the link to the network. Grey is a character now, apparently, that they want to pursue a storyline in season four. It's evident with how they leave it off. Season four's whole storyline with Grey is most likely going to be, let's resurrect you or make you be seen by everyone. Very reminiscent beats to Hugh's story in season two. Are you at all interested in seeing this progress?
1: No. Why? Because I don't care about Adira, I don't care about Grey, and I did not like the way that they've handled the found family aspect with Hugh, Adira, and, and Paul. Paul.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's you, you nailed it. I don't know who Grey is, so why should I care about finding out more when they've wasted the entire time? That's it. Like, I don't care. That- uh,
1: yeah. Okay. So let's move on, I guess, to Saru and Sukal. God.
0: God. What a miserable fucking experience it was every time we cut back to them, huh? It's
1: slowly moving. Because it's only one goal.
0: There's only one thing that the story has to achieve, which is Saru convincing Sukal to open the fucking door.
1: And it slowly chips away at it, and they try and make it make sense that it's being paced in this way, but I could never forget, and it always felt to me like they were doing it little bits at a time so it kept pace with the other storyline. It never felt like it was natural, the way that it was going and the way that Saru was approaching the problem. It just felt like, well, we've done all of this work so it would make sense that... Sukal would trust Saru and then they're going to go into the room and maybe have one conversation. And then Sukal puts his hand down and they rewatch the, the video. Incident. It's a non-dynamic
0: story because we've said this a few times in Star Trek Discovery. It's the same scene. Again and again and again until it isn't anymore. Yes. It is Sukol rejecting the idea of moving forward and and Suru being like, but I'm a Kelpian too. And I'm here to help you. You must understand
1: sentience and then Your Sukol being like, I never Woo. wanted this for you. Outside is scary. Outside is scary, but outside is good. Come back. Outside is scary. <laughs> but I outside honestly, is good.
0: I honestly think you could Rearrange so many of the Sukho scenes, and there would be really no difference. No, really, no difference. And again, oh, look, three episodes. But, but this you takes know, three one episodes. episodes.
1: One scene ends with him saying that Way he's going to go see the elder, and then the next one is them at the empty elder chair. So you can't swap those two around. So that no, means no, you know what you can do. Matters. You know what you
0: can do. You can you can cut that first scene and just cut to him being like. The old is gone. Easy. <laughs> Done. No, no, seriously.
1: No, no, that is exactly right. It doesn't even matter the,
0: what we know the ending of the whole thing. We find stupid. The idea of the burn being caused by a little boy crying really hard one time. Forgive that. Delete that off the page. That's not the problem we have with this storyline in this episode. It is just, it's stupidly slow and aggravatingly paced because it is just the same conversation. Repeated five times until they just decide, let's stop doing that now. We've moved forward and now we the can open the is door. Time is up. Time, the is, time
1: up. is up. These things have happened on the ship. So now we're good to shut this down because now they can actually save us.
0: And again, the script, the acting, the direction, all of the conversations between Sukal and Saru do not feel real. It only feels like script writing. It only feels like here is the theme. Here is the message. Here is what we are the writers are trying to communicate to you. It does not feel like characters talking. It feels like the script is just vomiting out of the screen into my face and that I should get it. Guys, I got it. There is a thing called subtlety. You're okay. I know you don't feel that right now, but you are. And it's okay to be afraid.
1: The elder used to say that.
0: Even in fear, Sukal, you can still step forward. A big portion of this, too, is this episode is relying on us caring not only just about Sukal as a character, who I don't. I find that performance. Very silly. I find it... And I
1: I think I made my opinion clear with the dialogue.
0: The dialogue, Uh, yes. uh, And
1: the dial analogy as well.
0: And I I think Sukal is too, like, mentally deficient to like, honestly. Like, the way he reacts to everything, I just want to grab him by the shoulders and be like, wake the fuck up, idiot. He he aggravated the shit out of me.
1: See, I don't feel that way about him necessarily. See, you're
0: a teacher.
1: I think that's the difference. I have more compassion than you do.
0: Oh, no, no. You know why you have more compassion than me? Because I was so burnt out by this point. I don't see this this thing as something worth my compassion. All I see this thing is as a script writing device to generate drama and to extend the runtime. Sukal isn't a character to me. Sukal is words on a page. Yeah. Hence, why does that deserve my compassion?
1: That it never degrades to the point where i think of him as a thing i as i just like, think of him
0: as a plot device he's
1: a prop that the writers are using but i and refuse i refuse to let them them and their deficits allow me to not feel compassion for a character that is coded as being essentially disabled. And I'm like, no, you don't get to do that.
0: They can code Sukal all they like, but they failed at making me believe in him and care about him. So he does not deserve my compassion at all. He caused a universal destruction. He caused a universal disaster and he's annoying as well. Like, like, I, I, you could say the same stuff about Neelix. Oh, oh Neelix has all of this stuff. Yeah. I still fucking hate Neelix, okay? The big thing that this episode relies on, too, other than me caring about Sukal as an individual character, is I have to care about Sukal enough to believe that Saru would throw away his entire fucking character arc and journey and belief system to hang out with this guy. I don't fucking buy that for a second, sweetheart.
1: Hate. Saru so has to make sure that Sukal gets fl- floated in a particular pool of water during the reeds shower.
0: And they didn't even show that.
1: No, no, they didn't, because that was something that was going to happen after the next round of talks. Well,
0: they showed us them on, on, on Kamina looking up at the stars. So they did show us them on Kamina. They could have I shown know. the floating, but instead, I didn't think
1: that that was actually yeah. Kamina. Yes, I didn't, I didn't yes. realize that that was meant to be Kamina. Yeah,
0: that's Kamina in the future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's scary to envision a world that is different because this is the only world we know. But by trusting and connecting and going out into the wider world, he by the end of the season gets to see love and connection all around him. Uh, He gets to go back to Kaminar with Saru and experience a life that he never would have gotten to experience otherwise.
0: Sukal destroyed the galaxy because he screamed real loud and I had a good chuckle when they said, It's not your fault. And I kind of went, It kind of is his fault. I mean, I know he didn't mean to do it, but it's still his fault.
1: He has responsibility without necessarily being culpable. Yeah, it's
0: still his fault. It's still his fault. But when the show said it's not your fault, you it's didn't still, mean to do it.
1: No, but you would say that to a child.
0: He's not a child.
1: But, but he he functions as a child when they want him to.
0: Oh, when they want him to. Fair enough.
1: Absolutely. So That dial gets cranked up.
0: So they reveal the cause of the burn and Again. then they say, oh my God, Sukol did the burn. We just found
1: out what happened. Yeah, we knew. Th- uh, well, they we, did we it, it with this. they did it with Adira,
0: they did it with Saru, they and did it with they, us, and then they, they, they did it to Sukar. They did it. And Sukar's like, I caused the bird. We got it. I
1: think, th- conservatively, they did it three times in this episode alone. Right.
0: They had to really explain to us that he did it and this is how he did it. It reminded me of remember in season one.
1: And this is w- when it happened.
0: Yeah, and how it happened, why and all this. And it reminded me, you remember in season one when, when they painstakingly but foolishly kept trying to explain what the fuck Ash Tyler was and it was still confusing? That's what this felt like, but it wasn't confusing. We got it, guys. He calls the bird because he did a fucking banshee scream real loud one time. And he could do it again. Answer me this. How yeah. how do they know that taking him off of this ship means that he won't be capable of doing that again?
1: Because that's what Hugh says. Oh, that's it. Done. It, Hugh th- just says he, that. How does he know? He, doesn't even, he hasn't even scanned him. No, but his theory is that he's a poly whatever. Theory.
0: Theory theory.
1: And it's because like he's connected to the dilithium and Whatever that the means. dilithium um has a subspace connection and that amplifies because he's near so much dilithium. It's amplifying and then being sent out into subspace and then connecting with the other dilithium. But if he's not near such a big source, he's not dangerous, but It still means that if he's on the ship and cries, that he could make their warp core unstable. He just can't destroy the entire universe anymore.
0: I want to issue a, a correction. I want to admit that there's a big egg on both of our faces. We dared to call Discovery lazy, when Adira could somehow have the knowledge to put the medication in their mouth, oh, but, but she this knew this episode. That they,
1: but they knew that they were transporting into a hollow. They but said, how? "They
0: said the line I heard over the computer when I was on the ship that you guys were in a hollow." Blah 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 blah. I do not remember any visual way of them showing that in those two previous episodes them communicating that at any point especially when they had no ability to communicate and my thing is you know that they had to put that line in this episode because it was clearly evident that it was not explained well enough in the previous episodes so they had to have the actor of Adira say that line out loud so us the audience can understand because they didn't show us again tell us don't show us is the rule of thumb here. What are you doing
1: here? Um, I brought medicine. How? I hid it in my mouth. We heard you on board, so I knew I'd be landing in a hollow. So is it time for Tilly first and then yeah. Burnham?
0: What did you think of this?
1: I- The payoff to I, the dots? I wanted to laugh at one particular moment, but it made me- me so disappointed that I couldn't even laugh at it properly.
0: I love their acting. Wait. I love the acting of them suffocating. It was really good.
1: Tilly's gasping for her last breaths and admitting that she's dying. What? Just sounds like hiccups. What? It sounds like the actress gave herself hiccups. Why not? Gasping. And they kept that take. That's my personal <laughs> opinion and storyline for why that take is the way that it my is. My <laughs>
0: favourite is, what's the Asian guy's name in the crew? Is he Bryce? Yeah, I think so. Or Reese. Whichever one he is, I loved. There was a moment in which it was like, they're all suffocating, falling on the ground, and you see them doing the heavy breathing, and there was a moment where the camera had slightly panned over and you saw him in the shot and you saw that the actor had just stopped acting and he was just relaxing and chilling out. And it was amazing. I had a good chocolate at that that was really good. I really liked that. It took me out of the already lacking amount of immersion I had. Um, Tilly solves the situation by regaling us with a story about this interaction Michael and her had that we never saw on screen. And we have no understanding of when that would have happened in the timeline of things. And it was a great day of sex a moment in which Michael bestowed upon them the plan. How come that happened, Rachel? Why couldn't Tilly figure out the solution or anyone within that storyline?
1: They couldn't. They're too dumb.
0: They need Michael to lead them.
1: They need Michael.
0: But doesn't that make this part of the story less interesting that all 14 of those characters, including the supercomputer, (laughs) couldn't figure (laughs) out a solution?
1: Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Michael has to rescue everybody because, you know, earlier in the season they said that she had a god complex and that she's trying to work on it. But, you know, instead we're just going to give... Michael more proof that she is so amazing, that she's essentially a god and she saves everybody. It's just not fun to watch. And I think random thing that got under my skin. Yeah. Which is totally innocuous, but it still bothered me anyway, which is when Michael is talking with Osira And trying to convince Osira to do Do the
0: stuff for the Admiral.
1: Yeah, like let her talk to the Admiral and restoring life support and all of those things. She keeps on saying my crew, and I'm like, bitch, you got demoted. It's not your crew. But they are. You're part of the crew. They are her crew. You're part of the crew. You're not fucking in charge. You don't get to say my crew. But she is in charge. Tilly's the one that's in charge. No,
0: no. but Michael's in charge because they say it must be Michael, and Michael, go Go be the hero and save the day. So but it is, Michael. She
1: got fucking demoted. No, no, no Rachel. She can't Rachel can't follow fucking orders and Rachel, protocols In anymore. a situation like this,
0: ranks don't fucking matter. What does matter is she's the protagonist, and that's the end of it.
1: And I find that disappointing.
0: It's just not fun to watch this section of the story with Tilly and the crew because they don't do anything on their own or figure anything on their own out. They have to have Michael come in halfway through on the overhead speaker and, and give this- Give them the plan. Give them a cryptic speech. Then we have to wait for Tilly to explain what the fuck that was. And we, again- In a, we have a to take slow them.
1: way, like-
0: Well, she's out of breath.
1: That's why it's so slow. It's so annoying. But, it's so annoying how long they go on for, but they're, like, you know, gasping halfway through a word. Instead of, like- You know, just thinking about what they're going to say before they start talking, because they know that they're running out of air. But they're
0: running on adrenaline, just like book. See, it ties in.
1: No efficiency in oxygen depletion required.
0: I will say, it is very funny to watch, like, 15 characters in a B story that all speak like Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle. I had a good (laughs) chuckle at that. It was very funny to me. (laughs) I know. A joke. Star Trek Discovery. When they exploded the nacelles, the nacelle, and it was like, (laughs) again. They
1: detach it. The
0: the, the poignancy of the writing. Owo just out of nowhere says, I can breathe fine. You see, my backstory is, remember that I'm a Luddite and I grew up in a culture in which I could hold my breath really well. Guys, Uh, guys, I actually can serve a purpose in this story unlike every other fucking episode. And boy, oh boy, when she said that, my jaw clenched up with fury because I'm thinking to myself, whenever they write future scripts of their stories and have a situation... What's to stop the writers having any character come in and just say...
1: Nothing. It's like... it's Nothing stops them from doing it. It's like
0: Ready Player One. You know in the book, Ready Player One, it's like... The main character is this big fucking Mary Sue guy who walks around being like, I've played Joust all of my life. I've just referenced this now so that the audience knows that I'm capable of this is never like built up towards. Yeah. That's yeah. what this is. At least the she's a queen, they built up towards that. But Owo being able to hold her breath. There's you're...
1: more backstory to the line she's a, a queen, queen than o- Owo's child. Than Owo. Then Owo. <laughs> Sorry, I put, I, I no, put no, too much so, limitation seriously, on seriously. it. Seriously, seriously. No, They've you are right. They've spent more time
0: emphasizing the fucking cat in this show. We've had all episodes where they stop the story to just go, where's the
1: cat? We and the cat's it. over here. We get grudge, grudge updates. Grudge updates are a thing, remember? Yet
0: I couldn't tell you who O.O. is. Couldn't tell you. Other than she's a Luddite in one episode. <laughs> and that she's Detmer's friend and that she Boo! wasn't but she wasn't good enough of a friend to Ariam to give a give a speech at her funeral. But Michael was. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I mean when when um, No no but you have a great point. If Nard <laughs> if <Nan laughs> right. was still in the show, yeah. she could have solved the situation. And it would have made sense from a viewer perspective because it's a part of her character physically mm-hmm. and it's something that's been set up and paid off before. We've seen her get hurt, Nan, when you take her breathing stuff off. In this season, we saw her in a natural breathing environment. If Nan was still here, this situation would have worked far better because it wouldn't have affected her in the same way.
1: But no, it would They kicked have. her off
0: the show, yeah. so now we have Owo and the in- Dot.
1: Instead, she's on a sea chip somewhere.
0: She's on a seed ship somewhere and we'll never see her again. Um, What did you think about the whole dot aspect? Remember last week we talked with Jonas about at the end of that, it was like building you up to be like, look at these oh, dots, they're going to do all this. What did you think about how they stupid. were?
1: Why did they even bother? Um, Because we had to get a reminder that the Sphere Data existed.
0: Wasn't Michael turning the ship back on and the Sphere Data's voice coming on enough?
1: No. Oh, Okay. It because wasn't because they some wanted people that people won't remember that that's the d- voice of the sphere data and not just the general voice of the computer.
0: I guess I guess you're right. I, I underestimate people's lacking attention span when the the dots crawled up to owo and being like
1: I died so you could live. Blah, and then they like
0: That's why the dots were here.
1: Immediately resurrected.
0: Yeah, immediately. That's why the dots are here. And and what I mean by that is... And no offence to people. No offence. But it's easy emotional manipulation. You've mm-hmm. got a cute little creature died to sacrifice themselves to save everyone. everyone. And then at the end, you resurrect them and their little eyes glow up and they do the little Vulcan salute. It's cute.
1: It's meant to be adorable.
0: It's manipulative. That's why the dots were here, to emotionally manipulate you with a tragic thing happening to a cute object and then the cute object coming back to life. It's not a character. The sphere data and the dots are not characters. They are cute things that you want to own and hang on your dashboard. That's all they are. Are we to presume the appearance of the Dot 23s to confirm that Discovery now has a bit of a consciousness? Is it sentient as a ship? Does the ship care about the crew? Is the ship... I feel like since the sphere data was uploaded into the ship, the ship... Is is starting to change, and the way that it the way that the computer talks to the crew is different, and and the expectations the crew has of the computer is different. But now here we see personified. It would appear, yes. that Sphere data crawling up and saying, "By the way, I'm still here." Let's talk, Osira and Michael, and what a fun fucking time that that was to watch. It's just action, right? Yeah, like literally. I think ninety percent of it. the lines are action one-liners that you would see yeah. in a genuine like Stallone movie. It's nothing but you know, <laughs> terrible, terrible one-liners. Are so,
1: so many bad lines. Up here, you son of a bitch. Jeez, a queen.
0: Yeah, well, unlike you, I never quit. Do you come to Star Trek for the action? No. Do you come to it for the action one-liners? No. Do you come to it for the kung fu?
1: No. That's why I don't want to come to Star Trek Discovery
0: Do you come to it for violence being the solution? No. Okay. Then what are we doing? What's We're this?
1: Torturing ourselves. If the
0: show is about connection and the importance of connection... And that's what this is saying. Like it's about and that's connection. The
1: quote at the end of it's, the it's episode. About, says. It's about
0: connection. Then how does just brutally murdering Osira and then doing a snappy one liner communicate that theme?
1: Oh, I left. I I, I wasn't saying anything because there is none. There's none. There's none. That that like.
0: There is none. So they captured Book in the previous episode and they're gonna give him this truth serum, but they know it won't work on him now because he has a tolerance for it because he's been drugged so many times. Yeah. So they're gonna use that neural thing on oh. him to torture him because it won't work on him because he's an empath. But this is also that they could torture him to break Michael.
1: Yeah. That's the that's
0: the thing. They yeah. know that their their book isn't going to tell them because they can't get it out of him via the drugs or the neural lock. But they can torture him to the point but in which th- Michael will break.
1: Yeah, I thought this like the scientists all believed that the truth serum w- would work.
0: Yeah, and but 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 uh, cowboy guy knew it wouldn't.
1: Cowboy broken hand man.
0: Not Tim Roth.
1: Not Tim Roth. I uh, believe that it wouldn't, and Osira trusted not Tim Roth yeah. more than the scientist. Yeah, yeah. And it gave her an excuse to threaten him. And you know what I found just stupid? What? Telling a character important information while you're choking them out. Well, like, there's no guarantee that he's gonna remember that because, like, he held out until she finished talking. That's just for and dramatic then convenience. Collapsed. That's just for the drama. And then the same sort of thing annoyed me when Michael is announcing oh, on the ship, like, any crew that is well, able come to the bridge. She's and waking just them like, up. How do you know that they're awake? No, that's her waking None them of up. Them are awake right now. None of them are awake right now, and you're telling them to go to the bridge, and yet somehow all of
0: them heard it. Well, that woke them up. If Michael.
1: Because, you know. If
0: Michael was telling me to get up, I would get up out of fear that she would shoot me in the fucking face.
1: You know. Or eject
0: me into space. You
1: know what everybody is known for? Like, you know, when you've been. Suffocated. Rendered unconscious because you've been suffocated. But they
0: got the air That back. you
1: immediately are able to wake up, be cognitant, listen attentively to what somebody is saying to you as you are waking up, and then immediately get up and go to the bridge.
0: What's great about that is... I think you're being nitpicking and biased bye bye. But the thing is, Fine. you are like that because what is there to hold on to? Am I right? Like like I totally get where you're coming from. That frustrates frustrates me too. And in any other given episode of television.
1: A lazy I, wouldn't, thing.
0: I wouldn't care because there's no! other stuff to hold on to. But there's nothing to hold on yeah. to, so these things what frustrated me the most, I'll give you this, in the whole Michael stuff, outside of her being captain at the end and the Admiral's speech, which was crazy, they walk into the data core room and there's a like, this big set. And I'm and I, I remember thinking this the first time and thinking it this time. They never set this fucking room up. What the
1: fuck is this? Where did this come from? What the fuck is the shit on the wall that has no safety barrier but apparently is
0: willing to eat burners? That's programmable matter. And it's like a big white room and they're setting it up like, you know this place, we set this up before. And I'm thinking, when When have we ever seen this? Earlier in the
1: episode, they said we need to get to the data core to do that and then apparently that's the data core.
0: I'll give you an example of how this fails. Remember in season two... They set up several episodes earlier that Control could be killed by magnetizing the floor. Thus, at the end, when they killed Control by magnetizing the floor, it was like, oh, yes, of course. Blah, blah, blah. We got to see the steps. But here, it's like, and now Osira and Michael face off in this random room we don't have any concept of. We don't know what the fuck it is. We just know the name Data Core Room. And you're like, okay, I
1: guess. Like, that's where. Instead of the bridge, they should have had the scene where it's just like, okay, everything's now been upgraded. Yeah, yeah.
0: You give the or, tour of the new ship from the inside as well as outside and going, oh, here's this tour, room. Not even the
1: just have that conversation on, instead of on the bridge.
0: In this room. In
1: in the data core room. So then it makes some sense. But this
0: goes back to our issue of when they retrofitted the ship, we don't understand anything because even... even Star Trek, the next generation's encounter at Farpoint, understood how important it was to show us what's where on the ship and what's this. Remember the iconic scene of them entering the holodeck for the first time for us, the audience, and there's Picard, I mean, there's Data in there and all of this stuff. It was letting us know, oh, holodecks exist and this is where they are and this is the engine room and this is where this person's quarters are and this is 10 forward and this is this is this. We don't know what this data core room is yet. It's in. It's pivotal. It's pivotal to the defeat of Osira, no, not just no, in terms of but... killing her, but making sure that they get the ship back. I don't know where the fuck this is. You have to keep very uh, meticulous track of who, when, where, and why. And we have people in the room whose soul in the writers' room whose sole job is to say, "Nope, can't do that." Let's
1: talk about the uh,
0: death of Osira. Um.
1: I didn't realize that she actually had died. No,
0: me neither. The first oh, time, the I was like, "Wait, time. she's." I was dead? just like, "Okay,
1: she's dead." And then we went to the next scene, and you were like, "Where's Asira?" And I'm like, "She's, she's dead." It was just, Michael shot her, and you were like,
0: "No." It was just so no. pointless and nonchalant, and 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 it was like they don't
1: show her dead body, so I don't believe that she's dead. It's just the way that it was done.
0: It was it was very dissatisfying. I mean, Osira was a dissatisfying villain. She was a waste of space, but they killed her off like in such a... Path- again, I keep saying it, pathetic, 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 pathetic. Osira was a waste of time and energy. Oh yeah. Why did we even have her here? Literally, I was saying about how Sukal is a thing to me. Osira could have been. A plank of wood painted green with googly eyes, and she would have been as impactful to me.
1: I would like to see this season, but they've like do a deep fake and they replace Osuira with Sporky.
0: I take it back about Osira being an object and being useless because in fact Star Trek has had many villains that are just a fucking tin can with no human face on it has that has been more interesting. Vijay from the motion picture, is a far more, a, 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 like, far, far better antagonist and far more emotionally engaging to me than Osira. No, I really didn't know that Osara died that first time. Michael just shot her real quick and then moved on. Usually they make a big fanfare about killing their villains in this show, but this was done just like it was a Sunday afternoon. Like, what about Osiri's death? was as spectacular or grand or even poignant as Michael uh, choking that guy out with her thighs last episode nothing it was Syrah <laughs> is oh, an embarrassment it
1: all means nothing but grudge she's, she's a, a queen. queen she's a queen
0: the guy the cowboy guy he died the exact same way narissa did in star trek picard mm. And that's something we haven't talked about. We watched this after Star Trek Picard this season, right? A lot of the beats of this season were repeats from Star Trek Picard. So if people haven't watched Star Trek Picard, this doesn't matter to them. But if they have and they uh, pay attention to to it like we do, a lot of season three fell flat Because we had seen this just, like, a couple of weeks earlier in Star Trek Picard. When the cowboy guy got kicked into the massive chasm inside of a spaceship, and and the person kicking them said, like, this is for such and such, like, in Star Trek Picard, this is for you, and then this one is, she's a queen, it felt completely like, oh, well, we're hitting the same notes again. I just wanted to raise that because that is an important thing to mention. It's not necessarily like, like that Star Trek Discovery's fault, but that is an issue when we're being given so many Star Treks at the same time and they're written by a lot of the same people who just have the same ideas that are going to repeat over and over and over again. And it's unfortunate because we've seen Star Trek repeat the same plots, ideas, characters stuff over and over and over again. Of course we have, but just in terms of like, Two of the villains die the exact same way, and I imagine there's some Trekkie out there going, it's a reference to the search for Spock, when they kicked Krug into the hellscape. I've had about enough of you. No. It was just, it's just lame. I wanted to point that out. And I want to point out too, the big Admiral scene at the end. Who was that character? I've never seen that character before. He He was literally acting like a different person. In that final scene. Don't you agree? He's like smiling from ear to ear. And he's doing all these hand gestures. And he's talking like this upbeat manner. I didn't know who this guy was.
1: I just... I just didn't care at that point. But he gave
0: the alphabet speech.
1: Oh. Your favourite speech. The math speech. (laughs) So very, very awful. Yes, the math speech.
0: But the lesson he was bestowing is... She did it her way, not the uh, right way. And
1: other people didn't see that she was right, but she's proven that her methods work now. I got a real question. So it's all okay.
0: The lesson here being bestowed is sometimes the right way is your way, meaning Michael's way.
1: Yeah, if you're the main character in the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but let's forget that.
0: the uh, The understanding is the right way to do things isn't always the morally just way. Yes? Because Michael's way... That's
1: the implication. I don't think they, they realized... No, 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 no.
0: No, no, they must. Because they do point out how how Michael has screwed over everyone to achieve the things the way that she wants to achieve them. And it's been morally condemned. But here at the end... I
1: think I just don't want to admit that that's what happened because that's not what I want Star Trek to be. But, but
0: at the end... The admiral says, "Yeah, but you got results. Your yeah. ends justified the means."
1: Which is section? No, no, no. Thirty-one. No, no.
0: Real question now. What? What separates her doing these morally reprehensible things for for her own goals that do better the greater scheme of things? to what Lorca was doing in season one when he was pretending to be a good captain, doing the exact same things. Because in season one, they morally condemned him for doing that, yet he was saving lives just like Michael. What's the difference? Other than she's no mirror mirrorverse evil captain, what's the difference between their rationales, points of views, morals, and, and actions?
1: Just that Lorca was willing to endanger the crew, and the crew is the characters what we're attached to and care about. Was he
0: willing to endanger the crew though? Think about mm. it. The only thing he was willing to endanger was Paul to get the spore drive to work but hasn't Michael been willing to endanger many other people to do things as well?
1: Yeah, she's willing to blow them up. Yeah.
0: Seriously. Oh. What separates no, that's them the... now?
1: Nothing. That's
0: Other than the show says one is I right was and one's just wrong. like
1: I was trying to think of something and that was the best thing that I could out of my ass and it didn't even work
0: the only thing that separates them is how the show frames it Lorca is lit in dark evil lighting he's played by an evil British man doing a southern accent and the show constantly says what he's doing is wrong and then at the end proves that he was wrong to do so here Michael has people saying she's doing the wrong thing but then at the end everyone claps and says you know what it was all worth it in the end I see no difference other than the, 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 the show's rationale of, well, Lorca was a mirrorverse captain, so what he was doing is evil and wrong. But when he was pretending, before that reveal, they were still morally condemning him. Here, they, they praise Michael and reward her at the end. I see no difference, really. What the hell do you think you're doing? I thought Terrell was going to throw a fit he's a damn Vulcan.
1: I did what I thought was best.
0: You launched an unauthorized rescue mission using a convicted mutineer.
1: The point being, she didn't
0: do things the right way. She did it her way. And it worked. Not long ago, we were standing right here. And I was staring into you for not doing it the right way. But I'll be damned if your way didn't work, too. I'll ask you this. Did you think she was going to become captain? Yes. How did you feel?
1: Disappointed. Because Saru never really got to be captain. Like, he got his moments, but there was so much more that I felt that you could still do with Saru, and I didn't want him to be shafted off to Kaminar.
0: It was untapped potential. They had so much more that they could do with him as Captain Saru, but they've just thrown it to the side for this.
1: rotating Captain's chair is more important than satisfying character journeys. I knew she was going
0: to become captain.
1: Well, we knew that that was going to eventually happen from the first season.
0: I knew that she was going to become captain this season with what they were doing with Saru. I just felt it in my bones.
1: Oh, yeah, we were like, they're getting primed to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, when it happened, I just was resigned to the fact. I accepted it and said, I guess we'll now have one person in the captain's chair from this point on. Maybe. the New uniforms, they're there. They're fucking terrible to look at. But hey, they're there. And when she said the let's fly, that that, that cemented it for me. That really cemented it. That was the final moment of the episode, right? It cemented it to me when I really went, Oh, oh, I've been thinking this whole time that they've been screwing the characters over so that Michael can get into the captain's chair. No, 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 no. They had this line written down very early and they knew that they wanted to get to this fucking great line to end the show. That's where they worked from. That's what it felt like. It felt like they, they worked from end credits and backwards. It felt like we they had, let's fly as Michael sits in the captain's chair. And they went, fuck, that's it. Now let's engineer the whole fucking show to that. And it sent a chill down my spine. Because what is the artistic integrity of this season? Is there any? Because... Although I've had problems with season 1 and season 2, I could say that there was some artistic integrity in some moments, some character stuff, some scenes, some episodes, but I don't think I could say that for season 3. What about you? You're 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 harsh, but you're not as harsh as me when it comes to this stuff. I what do you think?
1: think? The show overall has maybe 0.01 in artistic integrity. And I think some departments have more integrity than others. I think the writing has negative artistic integrity. I do think that the costume department has a decent amount compared to others. Those
0: new uniforms. Oof.
1: Um, yeah, don't think that they, I I think that they spend the costume department, I feel suffers from thinking about things too much.
0: They over-design too They're much. They
1: over-design, which is, again, like not a great sign of artistic integrity, but, but, but you know, it's more than the writers show. And then the CG people have a decent amount, in my opinion. Too much.
0: Too much. Again, with the costumes though, What makes the new uniform stand out weird is we have become accustomed to the over-designed nature of every piece of costume. So then, at the end, when we have these very minimalist costumes, where they're just like this block of grey with a random stripe of colour, you feel like you reject it because that's not the iconography of the show. I reject this iconography. It doesn't even match up with the
1: trainers. Won't go with this uniform
0: the uniforms also didn't match the aesthetic of the discovery those uniforms match the aesthetic of starfleet hq which is like bright white sterile right but the dark gritty dour silver colorscape of the discovery does not help those gray uniforms hence in the next season they've got new uniforms they've got new uniforms they've changed the uniforms again so, because no one likes these grey uniforms, so there you go.
1: So, a little different from what we've done in Discovery in terms of color. No, no, you no, know. no. We're, we're
0: not talking about Oo now. <laughs> we're talking about Hugh now.
1: Woo, uh,
0: yeah. Ooh, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You love it. You fucking love I... it. She's a queen. <laughs> so Hugh's done for the season.
1: Yeah. What was he? Uh,
0: what was he doing in this episode?
1: He he was giving people hugs and exposition.
0: What kind of exposition?
1: I don't know what kind of exposition was it, Ryan.
0: He was just telling us that Sukal did the burn over and over and over again. He felt like one of the holograms that was breaking. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. He was repeating himself so many times. We got the information, Hugh. You told us two episodes ago. You told us this episode like 15 million times. He felt like one of those fucking holograms that was just stuck on the same program and they couldn't escape it until the radiation consumed them. We praised hugh as a character this season far more than we ever have yeah and then you get to this episode and it made me and it made me question what the fuck have i been praising yeah what the fuck tell me what's his character who is he in this episode who is he who is hugh here
1: he's back to being more of the smiling and nodding guy that we Mm -hmm. we, we know and love
0: that's it that's it smiles and nods and that's it he is there to give exposition. He is there to hammer in the and themes hugs. of found family and being seen. And that's it. He's there to tell us why Sukal did the burn and how he could do it. And he's there to say, Gray, we're going to give you a story next season too. That's it. That's all Hugh served as a, as a function in this episode. Do you want to see more of him? I ask this every season. Do you want to see more of Hugh as a character next season? Like, Like, where do you want to see him go? What do you want?
1: Uh, I don't care. He'll probably still be there, and it will likely be stupid and useless. I'm not interested.
0: I, 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 I'm no longer invested in seeing them develop him further into a character. This is what he is. He is at. If when in... if this was a program, and we we're installing it on our computer, right? And we're installing this program called Hugh Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> It never gets past 15%. He's at 15% character <laughs> for three seasons. Oh, he moved I'm from...
1: surprised that he went up to 15 He moved
0: from the 2% that he had in the first two seasons to 15
1: But now it's regressed back then.
0: No, 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 no. He's stuck at 15 and but... I don't think he's ever going to progress further because he I never progressed like... further in the season. He should be a fully fledged character three seasons in. I feel like we are stuck oh, at that but loading are bar.
1: Any of them fully fledged, Saru. But they take back so much of Saru's character. Don't care.
0: He was a fully fledged okay. character.
1: You're you're willing to give them credit for that?
0: Yeah, Saru, Tilly as well has been a fully fledged character many times ever. I'm not saying that these are things I, that their characters are like, but I was just curious. Hugh. He's stuck on that loading bar, and eventually you just have to close that program and shut down the computer.
1: Yeah. Even though they did essentially reboot him.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. We've already rebooted it, and it's still not working. So I'm not interested in this program anymore. I promise you, it's all good. (laughs) What would you give this episode?
1: It's a yum. Yum.
0: I give this episode... A yum. Yum. People can find us on the internet, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. Yum yum
1: pod or yum yum
0: podcast on those you can email us at yum at gmail dot com to let us know your thoughts questions queries concerns about things we've said your views on the show all of that great stuff you can rate and review us on whatever podcatcher does so we would greatly love that we it would enrich us it would give us the yum yums if you gave us yum yums which is of course good ratings Uh, We have a Patreon in which we are talking about other episodes of Star Trek. We're talking about the movies on there. We're talking about our general thoughts on other television shows. And I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, we have uh, some announcements on there that uh, will eventually come out on here. But if you want to know where the future of Yum Yum Pod is going, you can always hit on the Patreon to find out where we are sailing off to next, or you can just wait here. So, Rachel, that's it. That is Star Trek Discovery Season 3. That is Star Trek Discovery up-to-date. We are up-to-date on Discovery. I feel great about being up-to-date on it. I feel like we've we've ticked this one off the list. I feel like for the last almost year of doing this, that we're never going to get to the end of like the timeline of discovering there of course will be more seasons to come along but it has been a long road from here to there (laughs)